Hi, welcome to Gabbing with Girlfriends. And my girlfriend today is a long, long lost friend. I can't even believe, but I shouldn't say friend because no friend would allow us to go this long without without being in touch, right? Well, who moves to Dallas? <laughs> I do. To uh, to uh, to be on in five different radio markets in America. Thank you very much. That's what happened once I uh, once I moved to Dallas. So uh, yes, Gloria and I are uh, long lost friends from when I was living in the UK. And when I lived in the UK, all I wanted to do was live in the USA. And uh, I'll be honest, because I, you know I was always into rock and metal music. Uh, people used to say to me, "Oh, you're friends with uh, Gloria Butler. She's Geezer Butler's wife." And I go, "Yeah, and she lives right off Sunset by this great Starbucks." Um, so I was always I always gravitated towards um, dynamic people who I liked who used to live in Los Angeles because I was obsessed with uh, living in in the states, and I used to go to Los Angeles and visit quite a bit. And uh, we always used to uh, hang out. And and every so often, Gloria would uh, help hook me up with radio people who I needed to bother to try and get jobs from, and I'd send emails to them because she's managed various bands uh, during her career. And uh, yeah, and then and then yeah, basically, I moved to America and thought, well, I don't need Gloria anymore, so I'm going to stop talking to her. Now. Obviously, no, obviously. <laughs> I could have said that better myself, but I'll tell you something. It's so funny to do this with a professional speaker <laughs> because you just took control. You just well, you went know, for it. The uh, Most of my radio stuff is obviously done on, on the radio, but I do do uh, some of this type of stuff now for back in the UK because uh, they used to call me every so often at this station called Talk Radio, which is national talk format in England for a kind of roundup of what's happening um, in, in the States. And then um, I uh, this was when I was in Phoenix. And then I moved to, to Dallas. And I couldn't do it for a while just because I was too busy with the move and the and the new job that then became like five new jobs. Because did I mention so, I'm on five, five different uh, radio? Oh, uh, yes, you did. I don't get it. Tell me. So um, I moved to Dallas uh, to uh, pr primarily be on the alternative radio station here. And then uh, to cut a long story short, uh, bosses in different places heard about the success that we were having with the ratings in Dallas and suddenly thought, there's this British person that's on in Texas. What the hell? Because I think initially they went, someone's put a British person on in Texas. How can this be? And then their opinion went to, oh, my God, have you seen the ratings? If it can work in Texas, maybe we should try in, I don't know, San Diego or Seattle, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, they started uh, giving me cover on these uh, other radio stations, rock stations and alternative stations, all uh, owned by the company Odyssey, who um, who hire me. And um, it's got to the point now where I'm doing I'm in five markets every day doing different shows. I voice track them. So they're done not in real time, but kind of in real time, like it's nine, ten hours in a studio a day. Uh, doing stuff individually for these different markets. So for example, I mean, if you listen to the station in, in Seattle, the idea, I don't claim that I'm in Seattle, but the idea is that you would think that I was live and local in Seattle if I was coming out of your radio or your Alexa or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I do uh, these uh, five different uh, markets every day. But what I was going to say was the last time I did something like this, so I, I was doing this talk radio thing and they used to um, phone me up, put me on air, and uh, it was Who's always they? Uh, they meaning who? 
uh, the the producers or whoever was on air at Talk Radio at the time. They, but they they just like to, you know, British person's perspective on whatever was going on in the UK. So I did these little 20-minute bits. And when I did them originally, um, they used to call me up. And to be honest, I'd just be like in my pants on the sofa, not really caring because I was on the phone. And I'd make it up as I was going along. And it was always, you know, Trump this, Biden that, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I'd just argue with the jock for the sake of it. And then we'd finish up and then we'd do it the next week. Anyway. I moved, didn't do it for a while because I was too busy. And then they emailed me uh, a while ago and said, oh, can you come back and do some segments? What no one told me was talk radio had turned into talk TV. So, yeah, it's on the radio, but it's also simulcast on national TV, on cable in England now. And so with like 20 minutes warning, I was like, hang on a minute. I didn't, oh, you no didn't know I was going to be on people's TVs. I'm not dressed for this. I'm not like, I haven't got a backdrop. I said, you're about to see a, a, a fridge, a fridge for the fridge magnets. So my best backdrop is the wall behind me. I'm like, it's a back background. It'll do. So anyway, normally when I do these kind of things, I'm, I'm on air with them. Um, you know, chit-chatting. It's the, the, the station that's got Piers Morgan on it. They haven't booked me for Piers Morgan yet. I'm waiting to build my, uh, build up to that. Uh, but yeah, so the last time I, I did this like on camera doing, a, you know, a chit chat was, uh, you know, on there um, discussing all kinds of stuff that I was prepared to talk about, but not prepared to, uh, you know, be looked at. And the worst thing is you get to see the camera in their studio. So it's radio, right? But also TV. They turned it into a TV studio. So all I can see looking at their uh, their camera is a massive me on this wall of TVs behind the main presenter, you know, like they have in a proper TV setup. I was like, my is that God. scary? I said, you guys need to start paying me more for this. You've gone, you've gone TV. I need hair and makeup, darling. That's very funny. So how do you, so how do people know to listen in England? How do they know? Uh, well, in England, uh, I don't think you can hear me apart from when I do this, the stuff for talk TV and that happens. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Whenever they need me. I, I don't know because they, they, they'll tell me when they, when they want me to go on and I'll tell them like, if I can do it, they wanted me for something yesterday. And I was like, I'm, I'm not enough time. Uh, oh, but I, I, just, I, I pop up from time to time. You know what people in England should do? They should just email that Piers Morgan show and say, we should get Ian Canfield on. And then I'll start doing that. I need a little bit more prime time exposure on their network. I think. Yeah, I should think so. <laughs> so, so do you love Dallas? I'm dying to know. Yeah, I do. I love the Americana of the whole thing. I mean, you do I was, know I'm a Texan, right? I was born in yes, Fort Worth. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. I do. I remember Just that. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah. It's not been that long. I remember. You know, do you still get up it's, at five o'clock in the morning? I used I to do. say that in front of her husband, and she said, "Don't mention to my husband. You know what time I get up in the morning." <laughs> Everybody knows I get up at well. five in the morning. How bizarre is that? Um, so you love it there. Yeah, so I um I, I was in uh, I was in Phoenix for nearly four years and I and I love Phoenix. So my whole thing is I've never been a big fan of England where I'm from. I, I always I always say the only thing that's British about me is my accent and place of birth. In all other regards, I'm more American than most Americans you know. Like I've I from the very first time I went to the States, I loved it and I knew it was where I wanted to be. And um, so this job came up in Phoenix and I really uh, like were in New York before that. I was in New York. Yeah. And New York really um, made me appreciate America even more because I was always uh, fixated on the West Coast 
when I lived in England, right. uh, because the West Coast is so different to England, New York, um, similar in a lot of ways to London. So I was never really enamored with New York. And then a job came up in New York and um, I wasn't going to say no because it's, you know, it's New York. And I went there uh, initially thinking that, well, I'll do New York for a while because it will be easier to get to L.A. Like that, and was, that was market number one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so and what I realized was after a, about a month of being there was that although it looks a little similar to London and it's got the seasons and all that kind of stuff, once you actually live there, especially if you live in Manhattan, as I did, if you live and work in Manhattan, um, it's actually nothing like London. I, I realized as soon as I, um, as I was uh, after about a month of being there, that actually it was nothing like London because most of the things that frustrate me about London, which is like how slow it is and how lazy everyone is and how nothing works properly and nothing really gets done. You can't be like that in Manhattan because as I always said, it would it will eat you up and shit you out. I mean, it is the ultimate work hard, play hard combo. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, and, and, and also, I think another thing that put me off of, of New York was when I used to visit, I would go with Brits. And every Brit that I went with um, used to think that they wanted to live there. That used to really put me off. See, I'd go to LA and a lot of Brits would go, oh, I don't like it. It's too different. Da, 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 da. And when I, after I've been there for about a month, I thought most, most of my British friends who think they want to live in New York, they would be done in a month if they had to live and work here because it's just so competitive. Oh, no. So yeah, it's I, hard. I really fell in love with that kind of everyone's got somewhere to be something to do. Um, you've just got to keep up, you know, that kind of uh, lifestyle. And so I did K rock and I, I loved it F from a work point of view. It was absolutely chaos. It was my first taste of like, sort of like cutthroat corporate America. I mean, I was just was... going to say, I was just going to say that couldn't be any more of a corporate place. Oh, absolutely. And when I was there, I mean, I, so I got hired by a market manager and a program director, which is a pretty standard setup at radio stations. Uh, so it's K-Rock in New York. It's the station that Howard Stern used to do his show from that got syndicated around the States for, for many, many years. The market manager was the guy who hired Howard Stern in New York, right? He'd been there 25 years. So a long tenure. And obviously the man who brought Howard Stern to New York, he's got a lot of uh, respect, uh, a lot of history in that market. Uh, he got fired in my second week there. The lady, yeah, the lady that was the program director, she got fired in my fifth week there. And from that point onwards, it was just chaos. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, running the station, making bad decisions, sometimes good decisions. It was just the, the, was, the, was Mike Peer there then, or was he already gone? I, you know, I used to do a syndicated show from London, uh, and Mike Peer was there at that point. He wasn't when I was physically in New York working for K Rock, but I do remember him uh, because we used to have a show when I was in the UK that was on K Rock in New York, and uh, also in the UK. That's how K Rock in New York knew of me, and uh, you know, entertained the uh -huh. idea of, of, of moving me out there. So anyway, um, it was absolute chaos. And it was the, uh, I mean, I could tell, it was like working for the mafia as well, because it wasn't only cutthroat American corporate brutality. Some of the people that were there, I mean, I go in for meetings with some of the, the highest people at corporate and feel like I was in an episode of The Sopranos. It, it, it really was like, you know, that kind of vibe. Um, and anyway, they, in the end, they, you know, they screwed up the station. They ended up flipping the format. So we all got fired. 
And I had to go back to England because my visa was tied into that job. And, and so I was there for a little over a year. And that experience, I think it taught me th three things. One, I shouldn't be so fixated on just living in Los Angeles, which I had been previously for quite some time because I'd gone to New York, which I didn't even know if I'd like. I just thought it was a great business opportunity. And I, I loved it. And it was such a different place. So it kind of opened my eyes to maybe if it's a decent town, I'm not saying every town and city in America is decent, but if it's, if it's, if it's a decent one, uh, then maybe I just prefer it because it's America and America is better than England. The, the second thing was that um, there was kind of a perverse side to me that liked this aspect of corporate America, even though it had crushed my dreams for then, uh, at, at least for, for, for the time being, I was sort of enamored by it because even though, you know, bad decisions could get made and it's so cutthroat, I'd rather that than the just sheer mediocrity of how a lot of business gets done in the UK. And the third thing was, and this is probably the most crucial thing, it really just reinforced how much I couldn't stand being in England because... It was one thing to want to be in the States and then get there. It's a whole other thing. And I've, I've spoken to other people who've said this, had this experience specifically about New York, that if you go there and you like it, like really like it, like I did, and it ends before you want it to end and you have to go back to where you were before, that sets a fire inside you that you have to get back. And I didn't I necessarily it. want to get back to New York but I knew that I had to get back to the States because I went back to England and I, you know, I got my old job back in England. I was very grateful to those people. And I was there for probably about six years. And again, do, doing radio is great. Because Are you available? Yes. Yes. Uh, radio is, uh, you know, not real work that you could be digging ditches. You know, I always say it's better than doing a real job, but I just didn't want to be in, in England that, 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 that whole time. And I, and I, I've speak to people now, who uh, quite a few different people have said to me, you know, for the first six months or so after you came back from New York, you were just, you, no one could be around you because you were horrible to everyone. Because I still had this New York of like, why is it not working? Why is the answer no? Why, 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 why? You know, I remember going back to England and, and, and I, I own a flat in London, right? So it was a, a flat that I had, you know, papers that I owned and everything. I'd rented it out for the time I was in New York. And um, I went back there and I remember when I was in New York, I think it took me like less than three days to get cable all hooked up in a new apartment where I was, you know, a new person, legal alien, living with a green card, just getting a bank account and all that stuff. Got cable in three days. I go back to England. I think it took six weeks for me to get cable hooked up at the apartment that I'd owned for like 10 years. And, That's funny. Oh! And I, I know, I you know. know. I mean? <laughs> but I didn't know you had a green card. How'd you get a green card? No, no, no. I don't have a green card. I've got it's still on visas. So, oh. um, so yeah, I'm working, working for the green card. I would uh, very much like, uh, like a green card. I have papers filed, but it takes, it takes forever. And then COVID uh, held everything up. In fact, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually. Uh, because of the job and the move and COVID and everything, this is the longest period that I haven't been back to England. When I when I lived in New York and then in, in Phoenix, um, I, uh, I used to go back every Christmas. Uh, but it, uh, 
it's been nearly five years since I've been back to the UK. Wow. I know on this run. And actually, I was actually emailing my immigration attorneys today to ask them uh, when the green card papers are likely to come up, because I know there's the way that they do it is if you get a preliminary yes, you then have to have other stuff. And there's a period of time where up between the preliminary yes and getting the actual 100 uh, percent clarification you can't leave America. That's and right. I emailed them and said, um, do you have any idea of the timeline? Because I'm thinking about going back to England for Christmas, but I don't want to make arrangements for that trip and then have to stay in America. And they were like, no, 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 no. It won't be till, uh, till at least uh, next year. I have to say, aside from my family, who I'm close to and I, and I do miss, um, the idea that and I won't go back until Christmas. That if if I if I go back this December, I won't have set foot on English soil for five years. I find that so sexy. I'm like, oh yes, five years of living in a proper country, not not over there. So does your family come visit you? They have done. I mean, I've not seen them for that period of time. They used to come each year in in Phoenix, but then I moved to uh, Dallas and then, you know, COVID, the travel was crazy for a couple of years. Um, and then I was, uh, there was some work stuff going on that made it difficult because I didn't know when I was actually going to be in, in okay, Dallas. Yeah. Um, so um, they, they will do again and they have done, but that's been, uh, that's been tough because we, again, I, if I go back at Christmas, me and my family won't have physically been in the same room for, um, for five years. Uh, and I, I'm grateful for how, technology is i i think i would feel different regarding how i do for you know for for my sort of escapism from the uk if we didn't have the tech that we have now i love that i can um you know facetime or even just have text conversations in real time you know even with a time difference and stuff like that like i've got uh, two young nieces and a nephew my eldest niece is is 11 she's got a cell phone now so i can text her and she'll tell me you know what she's doing at that point uh, at that time of day and we can go back and forth not too much because now she's 11 she's not really interested in her uncle anymore but you know of go back does she talk about harry styles nonstop no she talks about um harry Taylor potter Swift. harry potter uh, Taylor Swift, yes, um, and she'll um, she's actually very theatrical. She goes to a load of uh, different theater school stuff, and she's she's doing she gets roles, uh, small roles in like professional productions now. So oh, she's wow. like the she's the artistic one in the family. And um, I keep on saying to her, you know, if I come back at Christmas because she's got an audition for Panto, uh, which people watching in England will know what that is. If you're in America, you can Google it. You won't understand it because no Americans do. Yeah, um, I, I still don't. Right, exactly. two children in England, and I still don't get it. <laughs> to me, um, it's like Marmite. There's no rhyme or reason. Right, exactly. So, um, so yeah, she's got an audition for uh, for, for for Panto, and uh, so I said, so if you get this part right, I need. Uh, backstage passes and they have to be laminates because and she's like well i don't know what that i said look and i'll show her like i'll be like look iron maiden give me these i need special treatment at your panto as well that's cute that's really cute now what's your nephew uh he has just turned six so he's Aww. six and the nieces are 10 and about to be or the later on in the year uh 12. so as i said from the the, the point of view from being away away from the family that's tough, although easier because 
you know, I mean, it's funny with that, and you must get that by having family in, in different parts of the world. Although I find that difficult, you know, my sister often tells me that I'm more active in the lives of her kids than some of her relatives who live 20 minutes drive away from where they are in the UK because they're not, you know, they don't text the, her kids or they don't FaceTime as often. I get it. So, you know, uh, although I'm not physically there and haven't been physically there for nearly five years, the tech is in a place where, it, you know, it's still easy to see what's going on and, yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, pl play a part. And, I mean, it must be very special for them that you're in America too. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny because they're sort of warming to the idea of America. So my nephew... They've all been to the States, but my nephew was too young to remember that he's been here, but he knows what America is. It's funny, actually, that they all say your country now. But when they were younger, um, my nieces used to say to me, because I, I guess this is what they say in uh, what is it in Frozen, when they were all obsessed with Frozen when they were younger. They used to say to me, what time is it in your land? And and my yeah. nephew, my nephew's all about Marvel movies and everything like that. So he'll say to me, uh, what time is it in your world? But now they know it's country. So when I'm on the phone to him, I'll say, uh, what, what's going on in your world today? He'll say, not my world. It's my country. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, my God. How cute is that? So, yeah. Uh, oh. But, yeah, I like uh, it's As I said, it's good to uh, I, I keep in touch. Um, in the way that we can, but in all other regards, like I, even other people that I like, I say to them, well, you can come and visit. I've got a second bedroom and bathroom. I don't like, I honestly, I don't miss anyone else or anything else. And I think my, my desire to be in the States was always so, uh, high. And also when you do radio here or, you know, many things in corporate America, but radio is such a cutthroat industry. It takes a lot to get the job. And then it takes even more to keep the job or jobs in my yeah, case, yeah. because, you know, they're always hiring and firing. And I've had ex I've had places where I've been fired and then rehired. I mean, that that also happens all the time as well. So it's never dimmed my enthusiasm for America. If anything, it, it's made me want it even more. But I have this kind of like um, still this burning desire. So therefore, as I said, I kind of get excited as family aside about the length of time that I haven't been to the States for. And I'll tell you this, this apparently is a thing with um, uh, Brits who love America, because I've got another friend who lives in LA who's British. Now, we're arguing at the moment because I think I beat his record for not going back to England if I stay here for five years. But he claims that it was six years that he didn't go back for. And I was like, damn. And then the other week, I went down to Austin, and um, I was um, I went to see the Sisters of Mercy, right? Because they didn't have a Dallas show. And I was hanging out with uh, my buddy Ben, who's their guitarist. So he's British. He lives in England. But he's got this friend who he's known since school, uh, who's a Brit who lives in Austin, right? So I meet uh, this guy, Justin, his name was. And um, he might dislike England and love America almost as much as I do. And we're having this, oh, isn't it great? We'd never go back, blah, 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 blah conversation. And so I told him this thing about how I was excited not to return to England for five years. And he said to me, you know, it's funny. I've got another British friend who lives in Seattle and he and I have got this contest as to who <laughs> cannot go back to England for the longest. And I oh said, oh, that's funny because I've got that with one of my friends. And uh, this guy said to me, you know, it's it's got to the point that my friend's dad 
has got Parkinson's now. So, you know, that's something he's needing to deal with. And my friend needs to go back and see his dad. But he's insisting that I go back with him at the same time. Otherwise, I win the bet. Oh, my God. That's funny. That's funny. So do you have, do you have, are there expats in Dallas that you There aren't that found? many. And, and I'm very happy about that because I like to be special, you know. <laughs> In fact, I, there's a, you know, you find your favorite places that you go to, and I'm a creature of habit. There's a, a diner that I, I go to uh, for brunch on the weekends, and we'll go up there every so often, and the, uh, you know, the staff in there know me, and uh, they'll say, uh, oh, we had one of your country people in this week, and my first, my first question is always, were they visiting or living? Because if they're living, you have to ban them. They can't be in here. I don't want to be around other Brits. If they're visiting, then it's fine. Um, so, uh, so no, there, I'll tell you what, there is, uh, you know, any major U S cities always got a British shop. There is one of those, it's about 40 minutes drive from me. It's in a, a part of, uh, uh, or kind of Dallas, but it's called grapevine. So there's this place called British Emporium. So I go there like a couple of times a year. Normally if I'm going to be here for Christmas, always before Christmas, cause there's certain Christmas things I like, like the roses candies that you get, right, right. the different chocolates and the you know, the different sweet stuff that you can get in England. So I go there and, you know, that almost bankrupts me because you go to any of those British places and everything is like 10 times crazy. the price, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, crazy it's, but it's, do you do you ever go to World Market? I do go to World Market. They, they, they do have a fair amount. They do, but they, you know, and I was uh, very perplexed that when I was there before Christmas uh, just gone, they had quality streets, but not roses. And roses is the best Christmas chocolate. I didn't want quality streets. I wanted roses. So, uh, but if you needed tinned spaghetti for your toast, or if you needed, <laughs> they have that. Yes, they do. They have. The, and my husband have... will only eat English baked beans, for example. He won't eat. Right. Yes. American no, that's true. Beans. Well, when my dad has visited, I've always had to get him uh, English baked beans. Uh, does your husband also uh, favor any kind of sauces? Because my dad needs. Daddy sauce, or was it HP, HP sauce? HP, HP sauce. no, you're right. HP, Absolutely. yeah, the brown sauce, the brown HP sauce. Yeah, yes. yeah, he, he needs that. So, no, I mean, I'm more, um, to be honest, I spend more time in those places if my dad is coming over. My dad's, you know, one of these old school Brits who, you know, was raised in the 60s, so he only eats five things. I mean, literally five things. So he's hard to cater for if you're making him dinner in England, let alone if you've got to buy, you know, stuff right. in uh, a country fight when you're 5,000 miles away, you know? Thanks so much for tuning in today. And be sure to follow Gabbing with Girlfriends on here so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on social media for more fun and in-depth conversations. Thank you.